1: We're talking projections on Roto-Viz Radio.
0: What's up, Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the Roto-Viz fantasy football show. I am Dave Cabin, one of the owners at RotoViz, coming solo for this episode. Curse is having some Wi-Fi problems out in Ohio. So you get what obviously is the favorite type of episode of this show, just me. Uh, So you're going to have to put up with me here as we talk about projections. So I recently have finished the process more or less of getting the projection machine on the site rolled forward for 2022. That process encompasses pulling in all of the stats from 2021 last year, assigning them to specific players, then assigning them to specific roles on a team, for example, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, RB one, what have you. And then obviously updating the depth charts, pulling in some of the coaching information, uh records from last year, things like that. So if you have listened to me talk on podcasts for any length of time, you've obviously heard me talk about the way that we do projections at Rotoviz, which I think um has probably permeated a lot of the people um definitely from Rotoviz, but probably also in the industry, the way that uh, we had set these this tool back up a very long time ago is a very intuitive and useful way to go about doing projections. It's nothing too crazy that other people wouldn't have been doing. I just really like the way that we set it up to facilitate the process of building out projections. Um, So again, if you've heard me go through this a number of times, just bear with me. But the way that we do projections at Rotoviz is it's a top-down approach, meaning that we start by assigning team level assumptions and then build those down and they kind of trickle into the individual players. Um, if you're trying to do projections in a meaningful worthwhile way, it's probably better to do them like this. than go through a process of just saying, I think Mike Evans this year is going to get 1200 yards and have 120 receptions and 10 touchdowns. Um, The reason why it makes more sense to take the other approach is that you're kind of putting together that full team puzzle into a picture that's going to make sense. So the way that we do it, and again, we have the tool that facilitates all of this. It's called the projection machine. Um, So many, many years ago, Fantasy Douche had set something up on the site. I had a complicated Excel file where I did everything in. And then a couple of years ago, Mike Beers and I, kind of collaborated and consolidated all of that into one tool that is now up on the site. Um, So we start off by saying, like if I'm looking at the Chicago Bears, um, I'm going to look at what they did last year in terms of play volume. I'm going to look at their split for the last couple of years or maybe not just looking at Chicago, but I might look at Matt Eberflus, their head coach, or offensive coordinator, Their offensive coordinator, depending on the team and get a sense of what those individuals on that team has generally had for a split between the number of passing plays that they're running and the number of rushing plays. I'm also going to look at how many plays they ran in comparison to league average. What you're generally going to find is that teams with losing records run fewer plays than average teams that are better than average, that have winning records, tend to run more plays than average. So, for the Bears, uh, for example, last year they had a 53 to 47% split between passing and rushing, 537 passing attempts, 475 rushing attempts. So, for 2022, I'm gonna say maybe, you know, just off the top of my head here without really thinking about it, but for example, maybe they rush 450 times and they pass 550 times. Then what I'm going to do is say, of those 450 rushing attempts, I think David Montgomery, based on the historical trends on the team, updates for this season, what I know about the way that backfield is designed right now with Montgomery, Herbert, and Evans being the three backs, I think Montgomery is going to get 57%. So then the tool is going to flow through and it's going to say 57% of 450 equals X then off of there, uh, I will build out player specific assumptions. So you're going to do, you know, QB one, RB one, RB two, RB three, RB four, what have you rushing percentages, maybe some small percentages for the wide receivers. You're going to do the same thing for the percentage of targets you think each player is going to get. And then you put in those rate stats. So a player like Montgomery, I'm going to go in, I'm going to look at his yards per carry from the last couple of seasons, Try to do some research on changes in the Bears' offensive line or their offense that might influence those numbers. Then I'm gonna assign a rushing touchdown percentage, a catch percentage, yards per reception, receiving touchdown percentages, and things like this. So that what I'm doing is I'm taking that full pie of plays that the Bears have and then allocating those plays down to a player, then putting in that player specifics. And it's important to do it this way because all of the stats are then going to roll up to a team level number. For example, the receiving yards are going to roll up to Justin Fields in the case of the Bears. And I have him scheduled for maybe 98% of the plastic passing plays with 2% going to the backup, who I, I think uh, as of right now might be Trevor Simeon. Um and then that way you're going to assign the quarterback for the team a number that makes sense. Alternatively, you could do it the other way. You could set the line for the quarterback, feed it down to the wide receivers. We think it's more appropriate to go from wide receivers up to the quarterback um, based upon a lot of experience of having done this. And then it also makes more sense to do it that way because you're focusing more on the individual players and then kind of like backfilling them into a number that would roll up to what the quarterback has. So what are some reasons that projections are important to do? I think that they give you some level of expectation of what a player might do in the coming season. I think, though, and keep in mind, I've been doing this now for the site for a very long time. I've been doing projections for years and years, have built a couple of tools and and set up this tool here that a lot of people even other people in the industry are using to do their projections. So I I invest a lot of time every year into this and I've put a lot of time into helping other people do projections and getting the site to have something to do projections and doing the projections that we publish as a site. Yet I really don't think that projections are all that they're cracked up to be. Um, I don't invest all of my energy in trying to make them as perfect as I think that they can be into, uh, I don't invest that much time into killing myself over if the wide receiver two on a given team should have 17% target share or 19% target share. And the reason for this is projections are just fake. No matter how hard I try, no matter how good somebody is at this, they're going to be wildly wrong because there's so many assumptions baked into all of these numbers that, A multitude, multitude, multitude of factors can influence that is going to throw everything off the rails that no matter how accurate you try to be, you're still going to be very far off. I like to use this process of doing projections to understand a player's role in a team, what things would look like in their best case or their worst case scenario, what a realistic range of volume or opportunity could look like, what things might look like if their rate stats start to change. So, you know, maybe if wide receiver X in a given year hits a 12% receiving touchdown percentage versus an 8% receiving touchdown percentage. Uh, so that's like, that's the exercise that I encourage people to do because at this point for me, I've done it for a long enough time now that like my mind just knows what the tweaks are going to do to the numbers. If you have not done this that much, that can kind of be an eye-opening exercise. And I think it can help you to better understand a team and work toward building that range of expectations. Now, a question that I will often get asked is something like, Hey Dave, I was looking at your rankings and I noticed that you had running back X as the RB 13, but your projections have him as the RB seven, like, shouldn't they match and they shouldn't match right because my rankings or other people really anybody when they're doing rankings they're encapsulating much much more than a projection into those rankings they're they're encapsulating that range of outcomes that risk uh and reward math that they have going on in their head they're probably thinking about that team situation how safe that player is Uh, and how many scenarios that player is just a complete whiff for the season, which is different because if I'm building one set of projections or even if I'm building three and I have like a, you know, average high low case expectation, um, that is still not incorporating all of those things. And we're really just approximating like what our best guess of an average season or, you know, even if I'm incorporating those other two that I mentioned in there, we're just not really hitting that large of a breath to make that set match what the rankings would be. All right. That is a ton of information out of the way. Again, I apologize for those of you that listen every year and and hear me go through this, but I I think it's important because such an emphasis gets put on a couple of things. Major emphasis in the industry gets put on projections. There's also a large emphasis on rankings, um, which I also think can be misguided as well. I think that when you're building a team, it's better for, or I think that when your readers or your listeners or whoever's consuming your content, when they're building their team, it's better for them to understand the attributes of a player, the specifics and how those players specifics fit into that individual's building out of their roster during their draft versus just going off of the rankings. That's something I've, I've put out a number of articles on, I've talked about a lot. So we don't need to go through that more unless there's somebody that's a new listener that wants to write in, send a question and Curtis, Curtis and I can talk about that more. But let's talk about some specific teams right now. So
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: I have started working my way through um, a number of these teams. And at this point, I'm going to take a quick step back and I'm going to highlight some of the interesting things that I've noticed for each team. So for the Arizona Cardinals, for example, um, James Conner... We're looking at his projection and his workload, uh, it actually could be kind of tempting to look at James Connor as having the potential to get a lot of, lot of work uh, behind him on the depth chart right now at running back. You have guys like Jonathan Ward, Eno Benjamin, rookie Keontae Ingram. Um, I believe that yeah, they do have Jalen Samuels on the roster as of now. Uh, But my point here is, you know, Eno Benjamin doesn't look like a guy that would shoulder a large workload. Um, Jonathan Ward, I would not expect to be a player that would get a very high percentage. So in lots of cases, when you have a team with a backfield like this, you would expect its top running back to be at somewhere at least around like a 55% rushing share. Um, But I would say that that's probably too high for Connor because you got to keep in mind that Kyler Murray is probably going to be at a percentage where he's well above 18, probably around like a 21% rushing share. Could maybe even go higher. I expect Arizona to be around 480 rushing attempts. Uh, So with a volume like that, you're going to have to have other backs involved. Uh, I think it'd be very realistic that you're going to see the RB2 and the RB3 on this team, whoever it is, combine for... At least somewhere between 25 to 30 percent of the share, which when you put that together with Murray's share only leaves about 50 percent there for James Connor. Uh, so for James Connor, because we've talked about him a ton, he ends up in my projection around 229 rushing attempts. Not expecting the yards per carry to be too great for him. Um, last year he put up. Um, on the yards per carry number, only 3.7. And I don't think that the situation in Arizona has radically shifted. I'm thinking the efficiency numbers for him will probably be somewhere around where they were last year. It's going to put him between maybe like 800 to 950 or so yards would be pretty reasonable. What do you do with the touchdown rate? Which is something we've talked a lot about. Well, last year, He was at a 7% rushing touchdown percentage. In 2018, though, with Pittsburgh, he was actually at 6%. Other years, he's been at 3% and at 4%. Uh, It's kind of cool in the tool we have listed out for each year, the RB1 for Arizona, what their rushing touchdown percentage has looked like. Uh, I would say that it's a significant drop to go to four and a half percent, but for Connor and this offense, that four and a half seems reasonable, which would get him to around 10 rushing touchdowns. Now I have not finished going through all of the teams, but I can tell you that if you include the projections that I had last year for the teams that I have not done yet, um, and you incorporate those with the teams that I have done. As things stand right now in my projections, James Conner only projects as the RB24 with those numbers. So you might be curious. Let's just say like if we up James Conner to 56% rushing share, we're going to leave that 4.5 because it's still an aggressive number. And then if we go back to... The running back numbers, even with that shift and that pretty dramatic change, James Conner comes in at RB21. So another question could be, what if he manages to get a 6% rushing touchdown rate and we keep that 56% rushing percentage, which I think is too high to to project, but of course, you know, we're just trying to get a sense of what could happen here. Even if we do that, our man, James Connor only comes in at 14. So that's a pretty interesting case study right there. I've got to remember not to save these. Um, and this is, this is the type of exercise that I think is more meaningful um, than just running down and looking at a list of projections that somebody has. You're going to get married to those numbers in your mind, even if you're not realizing it, they're going to over influence you to think that there's a huge difference or maybe not, I shouldn't say huge, but you're going to think that there's probably more of a difference between player a and player B than there is. If you look at that range of outcomes or you try to approach this from a different way. So projections just be one input in your process. All right. So that's an interesting player on Arizona. Let's talk about Atlanta, because Atlanta is a really interesting team, I think, from the perspective of what shakes out with running back, what shakes out with quarterback, what shakes out in terms of the percentage of targets that Kyle Pitts sees to Drake London. There's a lot of interesting things going on there. So I think that let's start by just talking a little bit here about Cordero Patterson and what things could look like for him. So the starting point that I'd be interested in knowing is what he did in 2021 in terms of a rushing percentage and a target percentage. He actually controlled a rushing percentage of 41%, target percentage of 13. I don't think many people would disagree with me here, but I think that you could expect his target share to remain on that level or potentially go up. It's the rushing numbers that should come down a little bit. Damien Williams brought in. Uh, they draft Curtis's boy, Tyler Algier, in the draft. Um I think that it would make sense for the ball to get spread around a little bit more from a rushing perspective. Uh, we also saw Patterson start to slow down in the back half of the year, the year last year. So I think that you see Patterson probably around like a 36% rushing share, 13% target share uh, with the numbers that I have that gets him around 144 rushes and 72 targets Um, with, you know, average assumptions for the, for the efficiency he gets around 562 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns with an extra um, 465 receiving yards. So where does this put him in the picture of things? Uh, you get down to Patterson being the RB 22. Now at the current point in time, if we pull up Patterson's ADP, Yeah, so I just pulled up the ADP in the um, best ball tools. And right now in FFPC drafts, you see Cordaro Patterson with a positional ADP of 31. So going off the board as the RB 31. From a projections perspective, it looks like that's too low. But of course, this all hinges upon Patterson a remaining involved in the receiving game which I think is fair but b and more importantly remaining pretty involved in the rushing game um so it seems like the average drafter here is assuming that Patterson's role in the rushing game significantly decreases uh if it doesn't and we start to get intel as we move more and towards the summer that Patterson's going to remain a fixture in the backfield then he would look like a player that is being Undervalued. This is the other type of thing that you do with the projections. So when I am all done with the projections, they will be posted on the site. There's going to be enough information for you to kind of ascertain what um, the drivers of that final projection are. So you will be able to see rushing attempts, yards, you know, all that type of stuff. And if you don't want to go through the process of building out the projections yourself, you can look at what I have and think about it in light of where that player's ADP is. And we'll talk about some of these things. You can send in questions um, to the show. Now, Kyle Pitts, I think that people will be interested in. I end up with Kyle Pitts with a target share of around 23%. For tight ends, that's a pretty massive target share. Um, As a reminder, in his rookie season, Kyle Pitts put up a massive target share of 20%. So, a 20% target share is what you see on the low end of an okay wide receiver one for a team. Your DeVonte Adams, Julio Jones type of players, you know, Julio from the past, the guys that are elite wide receivers, the absolute alphas in the league. They can get up to around 28 or 30, really peak out around 32. I think Cooper Cup might have hit like 33% last year, which was insane. Um, You know, like good wide receiver ones will be somewhere between 24 to 26. Lower level wide receiver ones could be around 23, 22. So a 20% for a tight end is really massive. A lot of tight end ones are peaking out at fourteen, fifteen. I mean, tight end ones for their team. There's some teams where the tight end one only gets to target share around 12 or 13. So that's pretty impressive. I think you could get the bump up to around 23% uh, with Drake London actually coming in 2% behind. It would be very tempting when looking at this team to slot Drake London in for a ridiculous target share. I don't think that you can do that because you are going to have Patterson still going over 10% of a target share. You already have Pitts at 23. And even if you assign a 7% target total to the tight end two, which could go higher on an Arthur Smith team, teams that like to use two tight ends, you're still going to have the lower level wide receivers like Toronto, Mo Allison, uh, Olamide, Zacchias. they should be getting at least somewhere around like perhaps for target share, you can have Brian Edwards still there. It's hard to really put those players at the numbers that you would expect for typical roles on a team, even if you're depreciating them a little bit and saying that in comparison to a normal wide receiver three or normal wide receiver four, they're going to have a lower target share. You still can't get Drake London up that much higher. I would say that he peaks out around a 24% target share. Um, and let's just like see what does it change from 21% mean for Drake London to 24%. So with the stats that I have built in, which for rookies can be hard. So I'm kind of using the profile that he has where he was drafted to kind of backfill those numbers in. Currently, he's at 185 How big of a change do we have if we go from 21% target share to 24% target share? I don't think it would be that safe to start projecting him much higher than 24%. If I make that change, he goes from 185 up to 214. So that's going to shoot him from the low end wide receiver four, maybe high end wide receiver five range to a low end. Wide receiver, three. Of course, that assumes that all other players stay still. Um, But that gives you a sense of the swings that you can see when you make some of these changes in assumptions. Um, That 185 number that I had for London assumed a 60% catch rate uh, for receiving touchdowns around 13 yards per carry. This is my first pass. Um, so those numbers, I will definitely refine and put them a little bit more into context. Uh, as you might guess, if you actually go through and do these, it's a very, very long process. So I, I really work on this all throughout the summer. Um, a lot of these are just getting numbers in places that make sense and then fine tuning them. Um, and I think just getting these numbers right now to a point that makes sense to me, And then refining later is is providing more value than taking more time um, to really try to hone in every number to what feels perfect. Because like I said, it's not going to be. So we're going to hit some more teams as we go through the year. I know in the past, people have really enjoyed episodes like this where we talk about some shifts and different tweaks that you could make and how that might affect a player's projection. So we will definitely do that. Curtis and I are planning on getting back together tomorrow night, which will be Wednesday night to record an episode where we are going to draft another best ball squad together. As always, appreciate you listening in and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
0: If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.